Ever felt that some quality about you counts you out of some group or even out of being used by God? Well, that feeling couldn't be more wrong. Get ready to see the amazing reason why you were designed to be different. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of the Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life. I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience. I'd love for you to join us all live sometime Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central. It's all at kylewinkler.org slash live. And don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. But when I was out guest speaking, I asked a congregation one time, I said, who feels like you don't fit a mold? I got blank expressions back. So I clarified. Raise your hand if you feel like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. And the room remained still for about five long seconds. I feared the point of my message was doomed from the beginning. Not a good feeling at the beginning of a message. Then one person raised their hand kind of sheepishly as if he was admitting a secret sin. And then within a few seconds, Others got a little more comfortable and started raising their hands. And then soon, everybody in the entire church held their hands in the air, admitting proudly they feel like they don't fit in in some way. And so I was relieved. It was a slow start, but the people proved my point even far better than I had imagined. I've learned over the years that everybody fears that their differences count them out of some group, sometimes every group. I figured people would be quick to admit that. That was a rookie mistake. I should have expected that they would be afraid to admit it at first until they saw some others admitting it. And that's because most of us feel ashamed of our differences. We worry that they mean that we are wrong. Well, I'm here to tell you that they might mean that you are right. They might be part of how God made you unique to do something unique. Now, believe it or not, some people have said that's a modern message. They say the Bible doesn't say that. There's no verse that says that specifically. And sure, there might not be a verse that says that exactly, but definitely the truth that we are each handcrafted for a unique purpose is affirmed throughout the whole message of Scripture, not to mention by the stories of the people in it. A psalm that King David wrote said as much. You all know Psalm 139, or most of you do probably. It's a favorite psalm for many people. David says in verse 13, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, this verse isn't just talking about David as if he's the only one that was knit together in his mother's womb. It's a verse that we can take for all of us. The imagery of being knit together, by the way, isn't of something thrown together at the last minute. 
It doesn't describe an assembly line process of duplicate after duplicate. It describes an intricate and thoughtful process of interweaving threads one after the other to create something consisting of so many different and connected parts that no two humans could ever be the same. But then David goes on in verse 16. He says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So get what this says. Somehow, someway, God knew you before you were ever born. And he laid a plan out for you before you were born. Then, at the moment of your conception, he threaded you together uniquely to fit that unique plan. I think sometimes we think that God just found us in some sorry state and then is trying to figure out what to do with us. But this verse says that God began with a plan and then molded you to fit it. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know all the theology behind it, how it works. I don't understand it all, but that's what it says. And this is, by the way, why nobody is an oops or an accident. Your parents might not have planned you, but God did. Your conception may have happened from some less than perfect situation, but God never needs perfect. You didn't come from your parents anyway. You came through your parents. You began as a plan in the mind of God, which he brought to life through your parents for a purpose that is in no way affected by them. Now, when we talk about all the different parts of a person, the complexities, as David put it. Not that we need it to, but modern science and those who study human identity have discovered that we're more complex than we ever knew. There are many parts of us. I think some have counted at least 26 different ways people are different, each consisting of different characteristics inside of characteristics. There are four big ones, of course. Physical characteristics. The obvious things, the shape, color of us, height, weight, you know, all those things. Some of us have skinny jeans, others of us a little more loose fitting. Some of you are tall and others of you are more like me and you're blessed to be the last to know when it rains. Personality is another obvious one. It goes way beyond being an intro introvert or extrovert. That's more of a spectrum of things anyway. No two introverts are alike. No two extroverts are alike. Some are extroverted introverts. Others are introverted extroverts and on and on. Different. Intellect is another area. Not just your capacity for information or how smart somebody can become, but how we use our minds, whether we are more logical thinkers or creative thinkers. And our minds then determine how we actually see too. So complex. Our passions big one. Those are the things that interest us. Things we live for, sometimes the thing we die for. And God knows that's all different. I mean, I look at some of the things that you all love to do, and I think that would bore me to tears. Yet some of you are happy as a lark doing those things. I think about the greeters that I encounter when I visit churches and the big smiles they have on their faces. And I'm thinking that would just drive me insane to do that. And they're probably thinking it would scare them to death to do what I do and get in front of people. So we're all different. Like I said, there are many other parts, but those 
four big ones provide enough complexity so that none of us are the same, right? And that's for good reason, which I'm going to show you through the rest of this message. We each were designed to be different in order to fit a plan that God had from before we were born. Now, I'm not saying that everything about you was designed by God. We live in a broken world where not everything is the way that God originally intended. I'll be the first to admit that. But still, none of it surprises him either. Remember, according to the psalm, God saw everything about your life. He saw your days, your life recorded, every moment laid out before a single day had passed. And this includes all the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, the incredible, unfathomable, unthinkable, unimaginable, unconceivable truth is that in his plan, God accounted for all the complexities and complications that has made you, you. And in his plan for you, he included a way to redeem and repurpose those parts of you that he didn't mean for you. The things that he didn't design for you that were world-given or wound-given. He made a way to redeem and repurpose those parts too because he made a way to clean the dirty and fix the broken and take the wrong and make it right and take the ugly and make it beautiful. And that's called salvation. That's called Jesus. The Bible says that when you said yes to Jesus, you became a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 put it this way, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. It says that at that moment when you said yes, that you are in Christ. Now, in this ministry, I talk a lot about what it means to be in Christ. I mean, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, my identity is in Christ. I can't go into everything in this message, but the gist of what this means is that when you said yes to Jesus, the qualities of Jesus were placed into you. Like the Bible talks about your sin nature being cut out and his nature being joined with you. Colossians 2.10 says we were unified with the fullness of God. So this includes the fruits of the Spirit, such as love, joy, and peace. It includes his quality of righteousness that was given to you. His passions are placed in you. Spiritual gifts are given to you. But here's the thing that we've really got to understand. Being a new person in Christ didn't take away your uniqueness. It didn't take away the way God designed you in the first place. Jesus' qualities don't replace all your natural qualities so that suddenly Christians are just supposed to sound the same and look the same and think the same and act the same and watch all the same news channels and wear all the same jeans. I know sometimes that is what we think. We got to like all the same causes and be passionate about the same things and sing the same music. And some, some places kind of make certain things a litmus test of Christianity where if you don't think this way or don't do it this way, then you're not a real Christian. But that's as naive as it is unbiblical. The qualities of Christ were added to your unique design, which even make you more unique. That may be why the Bible calls Christians a peculiar people. I mean, some of us, we were weird before we were saved and we just got weirder after being saved because now we have the heart and the mind of Christ, which the world doesn't get. And frankly, a lot of Christians don't get for that matter either. 
And I have gotten more flack from Christians, I think, over my differences than I've gotten from the world. And I could tell stories about that. But let me just recap for a moment here. What happened when you said yes to Jesus, when you were born again, when you were saved, whatever you want to call it, added to your physical characteristics, the way that God designed you and knit you together in your mother womb, were spiritual gifts and the qualities of Jesus. So that you aren't supposed to be a cookie-cutter Christian. You have a custom-made identity in Christ. All of that then, which the Bible calls the new you, amazingly, get this, is placed inside of the body of Christ, like all of us together, so that God's personal plan for you has a role in God's larger plan. Mind-boggling. Let me explain here. Ephesians 2.10. This, I think, is the New Testament version of David's psalm there. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There you see a plan before you were born. He created you and then recreated you in Christ to fit that plan. Now, I want you to see something. You are a masterpiece, you individually, with a plan that's inside of a greater masterpiece with a greater plan. It's called the body of Christ. The best way that I can illustrate how this works is through the concept of a mosaic. You know what that is, right? It's a picture that's made up of a bunch of smaller pictures. Now, I've got this picture here of the face of Jesus. It's made by my friend, Eric Samuel Tim. And now on your screen, I'm going to turn this into a mosaic. So you see it right there? Zoomed out at a distance, you see the face of Jesus. That's representative of the body of Christ. But when zoomed in, you see that the face of Jesus is actually made up of a bunch of different faces, completely unique faces. It's made up of people with different skin colors, hair colors, shapes, sizes, features, situations, and you can bet stories. If all the photos in there were the same, it wouldn't make the image. They all have to be different to make the face. Well, this illustrates 1 Corinthians 12, 27, where Paul says that all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. When you said yes to Jesus, all your uniqueness was placed by God in a specific position in the body of Christ to have a specific role in order to help the world see him. And Paul went on in various places, really, in Scripture to list some of the different roles and positions that we've been placed in. Some are apostles, some are prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, leaders. And none of those roles are better than the other. Each one of them are necessary parts of demonstrating Jesus to the world. But here's where the deception comes in. 
And part of it is human nature, I guess. We look at the group and the others that are in a similar role as we're in. Or we sense kind of the calling that God has for us. And we begin to look around at the others in it. And we start to compare ourselves to them. We start to fear that I'm different in this way and I sound different and I look different and I don't quite think the same as the rest of them. And so we fear that, oh no, this difference about me counts me out of that group. It counts me out of the calling. So we start to think, well, this has got to be hidden about me or maybe it's got to be fixed so that I look like all the others, so that I'll succeed like all the others. I always tell you that I'm an introvert. And after I was saved, I would read these verses in the Bible and I'd read the stories of people in the Bible, like Paul and apostles. And it just seemed like they all were extroverts to me. Like they were just doing everything in boldness. And every Christian was just somebody that just was so quick to lay hands on people and pray for people out loud and all of those things, amazing things. So I thought, well, to be a good Christian, I guess I've got to be an extrovert. And as I've told you recently as well, in the churches that I grew up in too, we'd have these guest speakers that would be doing what I saw myself eventually doing, of course. And they all came with stories of how they practically led the whole airplane to the Lord on the way to the church. And meanwhile, to this day, somebody, stranger tries to talk to me on the airplane and I'm thinking, would you please shut up? So like, I don't, I don't fit this God. And then I look around at other preachers my age and they all had families and dogs and some of them wore skinny jeans and many of them seem to be more comedians than theologians and I'm single and I tried a dog for two months and it didn't really work out for me. I thought skinny jeans has weirdly accented my already skinny legs and I tended to be more serious than funny. So I was just generally more of an old soul and a little too charismatic in my theology for some and not enough for others. So as goofy as it sounds, I complained to God, I do not fit this thing that you have called me to do. Ever said that? Well, like I said, when you feel like you don't fit some mold, I don't care if it's in your profession or as a parent or in some group, you do one of two things. You either try to fit the mold or you hide things about you that you think don't fit. So I tried to be more extroverted. I bought some skinny jeans. I tried to talk a bit, a bit cooler, a bit funnier. Not wrong with making adjustments. But I ended up defaulting back to me. And I said this a lot, but that's when God finally said, why don't you just be you? I gave you a personality, style, and story to reach people others can't with theirs. Use the gift of you. I ended up making a whole sermon series out of that called The Gift of You. It was that impactful and healing in my life. Never thought of myself as a bundle of things that make me a gift. But I say that to you too. You are one big bundle of uniqueness that God designed or has redesigned, it doesn't matter. So that it all makes you a gift. And we'll get into some of how that looks in just a few minutes. 
But people will often ask me, Kyle, how do you get started in ministry? They want the secret sauce to some sort of success, I guess. And I usually surprise them with the first thing I tell them. I say, hone in on what makes you unique. And particularly, think about the things that you're insecure about, you know, those imperfections and weaknesses. A lot of times what you think is a quirk is actually a quality that God designed for a specific reason. If you hate the sound of your voice, rather than trying to sound different, chances are it's your voice that will bring you the most success. I know preachers who hated the sound of their voice when they finally got okay with it because they had no other choice. They realized that's what God used to get people's attention and draw people to listen in. That could be your story. It could be in your physical characteristics. There are so many ways that God could do that with the things that you might even hate about yourself. Your differences are often the very things that God either designed or will redeem and repurpose, as I've been saying, to accomplish the good work that he wants to do with your life. The very things that have made me feel like an outsider are what led a lot of you to this ministry. Certainly, it's the reason why I created a lot of the tools that I created. First was the Shut Up Devil app, which is how a lot of you get to this ministry. That came as a tool that I used to try to help me in my own insecurities, and it just so happens that a lot of people have the same things and need it in the same way. Well, parts of my story, especially when I share of the rejection that I faced in childhood, well, a lot of you have told me that you relate to those parts. It's why a lot of you started to tune in. It's why a lot of you have stayed tuning in. The interests and passions that I've always had for media and technology. I mean, they called me Inspector Gadget in college. I was programming websites at like 13 years old. I was taking computers apart earlier than that. I was always a geek. It didn't make me all that popular in school, but I have found that it uniquely fit me for such a time as this and for a ministry like this where most people are impacted behind a screen. So I could go on and on with the ways that I have realized that God prepared me all along for what I do. But besides my belief in the death and resurrection of Christ, and obviously we have to share that, we profess the same Jesus and we possess the same spirit. But beyond that, it's our differences that make us most effective. It's our differences that make the most difference. God created you different because he has a different plan for you. Anytime God chooses people, he sets them apart for a purpose. Going all the way back to when God first chose Israel, he set the nation apart. They were made to be very different from the rest of the world in order that the world would see God. He wanted the other nations to see him, to see his protection and his provision and his power, his goodness, and say there is a God in Israel. Their differences did that. And that's God's plan all the more for we New Testament believers. He has a unique plan for each of us which contributes to his greater plan of drawing people to him. We are to be his face to the world and the demonstration of his kindness that leads people to repentance. And it's our differences that do that. Think about this. 
When God wants to introduce himself to people or save people or help people, whatever, he most often uses people like the people he wants to help. On a broad level, this is what he did through Jesus. It's called the incarnation. He could have brought his message in any way he wanted, through an animal, a tree, an angel. But to get our attentions, to minister to us best, he came in the form of flesh, as one of us, to relate to us. And it's our differences that help us relate to the people that God is pursuing. I think of the story of Matthew. When Jesus chose him to be an apostle, he selected him from his tax collector booth. Like literally, Matthew was in his tax collector booth when Jesus said, hey, come follow me. Well, tax collectors were despised among the Jewish people. They were seen as traitors, cheats. I mean, they were a high level of sinners in their mind. So when Jesus says, hey, come follow me, while Matthew was in the business of tax collecting, like smack dab in the middle of it, he probably was like, I don't fit that. I don't fit the mold of what you're asking me to be. Jesus knew that. Jesus saw an opportunity, not a scandal. And one of the many reasons why he chose Matthew is because Matthew was able to introduce Jesus to other tax collectors like him. And that's exactly what happened. It's the first thing Matthew did. He invited Jesus to his house where the Bible says that other tax collectors and sinners came. They got to know Jesus. I'm not saying that God created Matthew as a tax collector or a cheat. I don't believe God creates anybody in a sinful profession. But I am saying that he will take those parts of our story and he will turn them around into something that he uses to help people see him. Introverts relate with other introverts. Parents relate with other parents. People who have been divorced relate with others who have been divorced. I mean, name your situation. You'll find that what you've been through is a good indicator of the people you're called to. God wants to use you to relate his goodness to other people like you. Like I said earlier, God designed us to fit a plan. So he put qualities in us that are necessary to accomplish that plan. And some of them are the things that we think are our rough edges. I think of the Apostle Paul. He had an over-the-top zeal. He actually called himself zealous. He had a personality that rubbed people the wrong way, including the original apostles. You can read through the New Testament. They didn't always get along. They kind of butted heads, and so they went their own way, and Paul went his own way. And that personality also got him really frustrated when the Jewish people continued to reject him, so much so that he said, I am shaking the dust off my feet. Your blood is not on my hands. I'm going to the Gentiles. His personality led him to the Gentiles, which is what God always had planned. Scripture says in several places that he was born to be the apostle to the Gentiles. His rough edges helped him kind of get there. And it might be the same for you.
Not that God gave you those rough edges. Some of your imperfections, though, maybe they aren't imperfections. Maybe they just have caused you some grief over the years, like kind of my nerdiness did in high school, but God will show you later what he gave that to you for. Doesn't matter. He'll use it all. And sometimes God will also use our differences to shake things up. So over time, especially religious people, they tend to think they've got God figured out. They think they know who God will use and choose and who he won't. Who's in and who's out. Well, I'm telling you, God has purposefully designed some of you to shock a bunch of religious people, I think. The Bible says that God chooses the things that the world considers foolish in order to shock those who think they're wise. And I think Timothy, Paul's protege, is one of the best examples of this. If you've read my book, Shut Up Devil, I go into his story quite a bit. I think I go into his story in just about every book that I've written, at least the last two, because it's, it's, it's that huge on this point here. I just love it. Timothy's mom was Jewish and his dad was Greek. That wasn't okay according to Jewish law. They considered him a half-breed, so therefore he wasn't allowed to do many things in Jewish culture. He couldn't be educated with other Jewish boys. He couldn't marry a Jewish woman. He wasn't allowed to celebrate Jewish festivals. Many things he couldn't do. Yet God chose him to help build the church. Now, human wisdom would have told Paul, choose somebody more mainstream. You know, like a pure-blooded Jewish family man that looked like everybody else. That would have surely helped the church growth business plan. Got a little more acceptance and traction, right? Grow the church faster. But God wasn't interested in quick church growth by kowtowing to tradition. There was legalism he wanted to shake off people. They were still arguing over food laws and whether Gentile converts needed to follow Jewish law or not. So God designed and used someone whose very existence broke their traditions. And I'm telling you, listen up. I'm telling you, this is the key for some of you right here. You've been wondering, what is all of this in me for? This is the key. Some of you were molded by God just to break a mold. You were molded by God just to show and shock a whole bunch of people into seeing how God uses people, how God chooses people, how God loves people that people never think he would. Why? Because he's good. Because he's good. Because your differences and how God's using you can show other people who are like you, other people who have struggled or are struggling like you've struggled or are struggling, that God is good. I could continue with more examples of why God designed you to be different. But ultimately, whatever the case, it's that through you, people will see an aspect of his goodness that they couldn't see if you were the same as everybody else. It's your uniqueness that gives the shades and the colors and the features to this masterpiece that he calls the body of Christ, the face of Jesus. So much of this ministry is about helping people know who they are in Christ. I really believe that embracing our unique identities in Christ is the greatest form of 
even spiritual warfare. I've called it identity-based warfare because it's the answer to the mind games, the fears, the insecurities that we face. And it's really the effortless answer because you just got to be who you are and be okay with who God made you. And that suddenly helps you get along with people. It helps things roll off your back more. It's also the answer for overcoming sin too. This ministry provides so many ways to help keep your mind renewed according to what God says about you. So let me tell you about a couple practical tools that we offer that will help you. First is our Who I Am in Christ miracling. This includes the top six truths that God says about you. It's designed to stick to your mirror so that you're reminded of who you really are every time you look at yourself. These are available in a two-pack or a five-pack. Put them up all over your house. Help instill a godly self-image into your children. I've had teachers who have gotten these and give them out to their students and reported back with all kinds of testimonies of how they help people. They'll help you too. My Think on These Things 30-Day Journal is a very personal way of identifying with your new identity. I've selected 30 of my favorite scriptures, one for every day, and provided journaling prompts to help you rewire your mind so that in 30 days, like the amount of time it takes to build a habit, you've heard that. That's the process of how long it takes your mind to be rewired. Well, it uses that principle, God's design for your mind, so that at the end, you actually think more according to these truths, God's truths, and therefore you see your situations and you speak more according to God's truths, and it changes you from the inside out. And of course, this t-shirt that I'm wearing, I don't think you can see the bottom of it, but it actually says, my identity is in Christ. It's got 2 Corinthians 5.17 on the back, that everything old has become brand new, and it's just a really practical way of remembering who you are and telling others too. So these resources and more are all available on my website at kylewinkler.org store. That's kylewinkler.org store. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you and we're here for you too. Every week on my website at kylewinkler.org on our podcast, wherever you get your social media, don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. I'll see you next time.